Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Oh, man, did Joe Biden step in it today, huh? What a condescending, absolute fool he made out of himself today. But it tells you what he thinks about people, does it not? It reveals the real Joe Biden. Hello and welcome to the Mark Levin Show. The great one is off again tonight. As you know, it's me, Rich Zioli, back with you from Mark's hometown in Philadelphia. We are in the red zone here in Philadelphia. I mean, complete lockdown where I am. Everything is locked down. Uh, I'm broadcasting from our studio at WPHT in Philly. The whole town is a ghost town. It's like tumbleweed on the streets. There is nothing in the city. We are completely shut down because I have a tyrant governor, a tyrant mayor, and then where I live in Jersey... That whole state shut down, too, because I have a tyrant king governor. And then right a couple miles down the road is Delaware, tyrant king governor down there. So this whole region is shut down. Uh, Perhaps you are listening in a place that is a little bit more free. I hope you are. Uh, I hope you are. If you are, by the way, let me know your experience and how that's going. I'd I'd love to hear from you tonight. Of course, the number uh, for the Mark Levin Show, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. And Mr. Call Screener Richie V will be taking your calls tonight, of course, on the Mark Levin Show. Joe Biden is a terrible, terrible candidate. He is not a smart guy. He's not a smart guy, but he also is a guy who belittles people and demeans people. And he's got a long history of this. His comments today about if you if you don't vote for me, you ain't black, says a whole lot about the plantation mindset the Democrat Party has had for a very, very long time, a very long time. Ever since the uh, Democrat Party decided that they would be the party that uh, would tell black voters uh, it's us or nothing. And uh, when black voters turned around and asked them for things like, uh, say, school choice, for example, the Democrat Party said no. Because they sided with the teachers union. The fact of the matter is, Joe Biden's comments today reflect something inside his soul. That how dare black people think for themselves. Like how dare black people have an opinion outside of what they're told to think by the Democrat masters. How dare they form their own thoughts and how dare they like Donald Trump. How I mean, what and, and this this goes to what a lot of the media and the left think, right? The intelligentsia. Whether it's uh, you as a white person driving a pickup truck and you're deplorable or it's a black voter who votes for Trump and is a sellout to his people. They think that about you because they think you're better than you. They think they're better than you. And you see that reflected in policy when these people become governors and act like tyrants absolute tyrants and so what they wind up doing then when they get in power is control every aspect of your life for example michigan governor gretchen whitmar a tyrant has extended her state's lockdown order until june 12th why why june 12th who knows but she loves the power and she belittles Anybody who dares to question her, she belittles them. Same thing with King Phil Murphy in New Jersey. 
The president today said he wants churches to be opened, and he says he will order governors to do so if they don't. Murphy said no, won't do it. He won't do it because he's not opening churches because you can social distance at Walmart, apparently, but you can't social distance in a church. I don't understand that. I don't understand how you can wear a mask and go into Home Depot and be safe, but you, can, you can't go into a church and wear a mask and be safe. I don't understand that. But what I think it's about is that he thinks that you don't really have any rights. He doesn't believe his job is to protect your, your liberty and your rights. None of these governors do. None of these lefty governors think that's their job. They think their job is to control you, control me. Let's go through this, right? How many times have you heard these Democrat governors, Democrat mayors, tell you what to eat and drink, right? Tell you what to eat and drink. Tell you how much salt to have. Tell you how you have to have uh, calorie counts on the menus. Tell you what size drink you can have. Tell you what you where you can go, what you can do, what you sh- what, 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 what rights you have. They believe their job as governor is to govern you, not govern the state, not 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 run a branch of government, a department, the executive branch. They they think their job is to govern you personally as an individual. The notion that a governor would give executive orders that would apply to private citizens is something the founders never would have signed on to never in a million years. They were supposed to give executive orders, governors and presidents to their departments you know, I, I'm ordering the Department of Agriculture to do this. I'm signing an executive order ordering the Department of Commerce to do this. I'm not telling private citizens what to do. I, I don't have that power. Think of how that's shifted in this country. Think of how that has shifted in this country. How now these governors believe they have the power to order you around by an executive order. Back in March, right before this entire thing started, it was March 7th. Mark Levin and I were on stage in South Jersey together, and we were doing a a speaker series event. Mark was incredibly gracious, of course, with his time, as he always is. And the first question I asked Mark that day was, Mark, are we becoming subjects? And I loved that question because uh, I think we are. And, of course, I loved Mark's answer on that. It's really about a mindset, right? It's a mindset of these governors, which is, I'm going to control your life. I'm not going to let you go to church because I don't think it's safe for you to go to church. Hey, who the hell are you? I'm an adult. Don't tell me what's safe and what's not safe. I have a right to go. It's my right. It's my constitutional right. But this is the mindset. I will protect you. And you have to give up your liberty and surrender your liberty to me because I'm going to control you and protect you and keep you safe. How many times do Democrats do that, right? How many times do they usher in that mindset with all of their little rules and restrictions and regulations? Think about where we were as a country before all this started. The Democrats wanted to ban plastic straws, right? That was their big mission, to ban plastic straws in America to make sure that nobody would have the the scourge of plastic straws. Plastic bags, right? Wanted to ban plastic bags. In Philly, the mayor here, Jim Kenney, he was on a, a crusade to make sure that there were no partitions at bodegas no plastic partitions at bodegas because he felt like it put a uh, an aura of uh, an appearance of, of of some sort of tension between the owners of the store and the workers and the uh, and the members of the community guess what every place now has a partition because of the virus right the democrats before all this what was their big cause remember their big cause uh, vaping. Yes, vaping. The, the dangers of flavored vaping and how children might have uh, peach flavored vapes. So they were all about banning vaping and shutting down vaping stores. That was their thing. Again, control, controlling every aspect of our lives. And now these tyrants 
say, oh, I don't think it's safe for you to go to church. You turn around and go, yeah, but I have uh, the constitutional right to go to church, which actually I have a God-given right to go to church, which is just protected in the Constitution. Your job is to protect my liberty. That's your job. And they go, nah, we're, our job is to keep you safe. We've decided. When did we decide that, by the way? When did we as a nation decide that elected officials' job was to keep us safe? You ever hear that politicians do that? They say that. Uh, as your governor, my job first and foremost is to make sure the safety uh, and the health and safety of my citizens. Wait, what? Wait, wait, that's not your job. Your job is to run an executive branch. Your job is to run a department of government. One branch. That's it. My job is to protect the health and safety of me and my family. That's my job. Now, other people help me do that job, obviously, in the community. We pitch in, right? Police, fire, EMS. We all pitch in, help out, do all that stuff. But it's not the job of the governor or the president or anything like that to keep us safe. Their job is to do a particular job. And yet they have acted like parents, ultimate nanny staters. And then this virus comes along and none of them were prepared for it, by the way. None of them were prepared. So they all just shut everything down. And now that it's shut down and they have all this power, they don't want to give it up. But here's something else to think about, too. A lot of these people, I believe, deep down inside, are 100% in line with socialism and big government. And they would love nothing more than to usher in the era of a new FDR-style Green New Deal, Big New Deal, Economic New Deal. Just the other day, Joe Biden, before he opened his mouth and offended black people in America, he said the other day that this is an opportunity for us to rewrite the social contract. Now, you, as a very smart Mark Levin listener, a fellow Levinite, know all about the social contract, because Mark has talked about Rousseau with you, and the idea that you trade your liberty to be kept safe in society and that you trade your individual liberty and you get all these things from society and that becomes a social contract. And that's what Democrats are using this virus for now, to destroy the pillars of capitalism, basically bankrupt the economy so that they can rebuild it in a socialist utopia. And in that socialist utopia, you get all the things they've been talking about for years, for years. Free college, free preschool, free child care, free health care, guaranteed income, universal income, guaranteed job, Green New Deal, blah, 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 blah. All of that they want to rebuild in this. And we've heard this now. We've heard this from Hillary Clinton. We've heard this from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. We've heard this on and on. These people want to destroy capitalism. And this is the opportunity that they're using. Destroy capitalism. And then it forces them, the government, to get bigger and start taking care of everybody. Oh, you think I'm crazy. Oh, you think that I'm just uh, coming up with a conspiracy theory, right? Okay, here's my, here's my thinking on that. Ready? Why is it that every time throughout history, whenever a despot has risen up, it's always come after some sort of economic collapse? They've always used those opportunities throughout history to rise up and take over. And that's exactly what these people know. They understand that. They understand that the more people that are out of work, the more people need government assistance. The more businesses that can't open their doors after this, well, that's more business owners that have to turn to government. The more people that can't pay their mortgage, well, more people that are got to turn to government. More people that can't put food on the table because the economy is shut down. More people that have to go to those food banks. Lines, long lines of food banks. You get it? 
They are keeping the economy shut down and the epicenter of America's economic engine on purpose because I'm telling you they want to destroy the pillars of capitalism. Phil Murphy, the governor of New Jersey, is a Marxist. The governor of of Pennsylvania, Tom Wolf, is a socialist. All of their ideas about giving away everything. These are socialist progressive ideals. Gretchen Whitmar, she was talking today about how they need to spend billions of dollars on climate change. They're keeping these states shut down, not to protect us from a virus. The hospitals can handle it. We know what to do. We know how to social distance. We know how to wash our hands. We're adults. I don't need any more reminders to wash my hands, by the way. I get it. I get it. I saw a sign today on the highway. Wash your hands for 20 seconds. I get it. I know how to wash my hands enough already. But that's the thing. We know how to handle this. You and I as adults are capable of figuring this out. We have flattened the curve. We have got the hospitals under control. We know who the most vulnerable people are. We see the death at nursing homes, which is an absolute outrage and scandal, which we need to talk about as well. There is no reason why every single business in America cannot be open right now, right at this very moment, even if they got to do curbside pickup. But still, in the economic epicenter of America, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, it is still shut down. Shut down. And I'm telling you that is shut down on purpose because there is no scientific basis for keeping this shut down. And the unintended consequences of this, of course, are going to be a lot of people who are very, very hurt by this. Don't doubt me when I tell you that this is a plan that they have. This is a plan that they have to, to, to expand government and expand the social contract. And if you don't believe me, You'll hear Joe Biden say it in his own words. You'll also hear Joe Biden offend pretty much every black voter in America as well. 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one, Mark Levin, coming right back. Mark Levin. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western Theological Tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. To Mark and Julie over the loss of their great friend, Barty. So sad, very sad. I know how much Mark loves animals. And uh, Rescuing Sprite is a great book. I actually give that book as a gift to everybody who loses a pet because they are truly a family member. It's very, very sad. So it's me, Rich Zioli. Happy to be in with you tonight. The Social Contract... 
You know, ever since uh, Woodrow Wilson, FDR, and Lyndon Johnson, all these all these lefties, they love these big contracts. They love these ideas of, of, of these points and their guiding principles and all this other stuff. This virus, if you think I'm crazy, because I'm telling you, as I'm in the epicenter of Philadelphia, in a shutdown city, in a shutdown region of our country, that I would argue is one of the economic engines of our country, and if you think I'm crazy that I'm telling you these governors and these mayors in this area want to usher in a utopian socialist America, listen to what Joe Biden said before he offended every black person in America. This is a couple of days ago. This is Joe Biden now. Cut number four. From this pandemic, you can remake the world as it should be. To see COVID-19 as a force majeure that compels us to rewrite the social contract that's been scrambled by nature's fury and human failures. You can set the terms for an economy, healthcare system, education system, immigration system, and a justice system that uplifts more people of every race, gender, and generation. You can build a truly representative democracy with more facts than lies, less money, and more people in the voting process. You can win the race against climate change by writing the laws and structures that the deals that the rally the rest of the world to build a safer, more resilient and sustainable future. Now, let me ask you a question. In order to achieve that, do you think it helps to achieve that if you have more or less people out of work? If, do you think it's easier to achieve that if you have more or less businesses functioning? Is it easier to achieve that if you have uh, more people losing their homes or, or less people losing their homes? You see, to create this new social contract, of course, you need people that need it, right? You need people that need the new social contract. Otherwise, they don't need a new social contract because the contract they have is fine. Like a few months ago before the virus hit, everything was fine. Everything was great. Everything was going gangbusters. Now we have 40 million people unemployed and uh, we still have states that are completely locked down. We have we have people in my state of Jersey, gym owners who just want to open their gym. Their gym people getting arrested for, for going to work. They just want to open up their gym. Attila's Jim, you probably heard the story, and then the Department of Health shuts it down. So, do you think it's easier to usher in a new social contract, the kind that Biden's arguing there, when you have 40 million people unemployed or uh, 3 million people unemployed? Simple, quick math quiz. Of course, you know the answer. That's you're a very smart person because you are, in fact, a... Levinite. But I'm simply pointing out the fact to you that when people say oh, it's a conspiracy theory that these people are just trying to destroy the economy to help usher in a new wave of utopian socialism, everything they want to achieve here, everything they want to achieve depends upon human hardship. And the harder it gets for people, the more they turn around and want to hand out and need government. And they know that that's what they're banking on. All right. We'll talk about Joe Biden, how he offended every black person in America today, even Al Sharpton. 877-381-3811. Rich Zioli in for the great one. Mark Levin coming right back. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the 
essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Some people talk about the Tea Party. We are the Tea Party. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Yes, we, uh, in fact, uh, the Mark Levin Show here tonight talking about liberty. The great one is off tonight, of course, as he uh, mourns the passing of his uh, his friend, Barney, his beloved dog. It's me, Rich Zioli, with you tonight, and great to be with you on a Friday night. Before Memorial Day weekend, please remember on Monday to remember those who've given the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. 877-381-3811. There are Democrat governors who are absolute tyrants. They're tyrants. They don't listen to anybody. They tried, by the way, to take away the Second Amendment very early on by closing gun stores. Not, I mean, not even allowing like curbside pickup, just saying they were not essential businesses. The idea that government can say what's essential and what's not essential is absurd, number one. But I still I can't find it. I've been trying to find in the Constitution that pandemic exemption to the Bill of Rights. I keep looking and I'm in Philadelphia. So I went by Independence Hall today and I was just looking to see if it was maybe somehow etched in the side or something like that. But I didn't I just I didn't see it. So maybe I'll, I'll keep looking after the show. Maybe I'll find it there. The pandemic exception to the Bill of Rights. You have governors who are preventing you from worshiping your God. They have governors preventing you from uh going to your business, having earning a living, by the way. And yet uh, it's all very, very unfair because we are guaranteed equal protection under the law. That's not being followed now, is it? Because I can wear a mask and go into a big box store, but I can't wear a mask and go into a little mom and pop candy store. Why not? Explain that to me. And uh, the answer is that these governors at their hearts, the core hearts, these are ultra left Democrat socialists. Phil Murphy, the governor of New Jersey. Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York. Don't let him fool you. The governor of Pennsylvania, Tom Wolf. He's a very laid back guy, very insecure little man. And Gretchen Whitmar, the tyrannical governor of Michigan. And don't forget, over on the left coast, Gavin Newsom with his incredible hair. He is also absolutely a socialist. They don't call themselves that, though, because that's a word that still has kind of a bad reputation, but not as much anymore. But they all advocate socialist policies. Here's what they all have in common. Ready? Free health care, universal health care, universal college, universal child care, guaranteed income for people, guaranteed jobs for people, uh, massive spending on climate change. I mean, these are all the things they have in common. Right. And so this opportunity now is a wonderful opportunity for them to be able to usher in the new America. As Mark wrote about in Ameritopia, the idea that they can create their leftist socialist utopia for everybody to live in, in peace and harmony. And all it costs you is your liberty and your freedom. All right, let's uh, take some calls, shall we, here on the Mark Levin Show, 877-381-3811. Let me go to Ralph in Savannah, Georgia. Ralph, you are on the Mark Levin Show. Go ahead, Ralph. Hey, Rich, how you doing? Very well, my friend. Thanks for the call. Uh, thank you. Um, long time listener, first time caller. I'm down here in the beautiful city of Savannah in the great state of Georgia and uh, just checking in, letting you know that uh, things are slowly getting back to normal here. Um, 
you know, everyone's being smart, being careful, being safe, uh, practicing social distancing. I work for a Ford dealership, and, and uh, we we did a lot of online business for a while. And now we're just now starting to get customers back in the store, in the showroom. Um, I went, I have a good friend of mine who owns a small mom and pop restaurant and, uh, went and had a nice lunch the other day at his restaurant. Um, a lot of restaurants are opening back up, some allowing, uh, in-house dining. Um, some of the bars are still closed down. Uh, a lot of, I went shopping for shoes the other day and, and out at the mall, a lot of stores are still closed. Some of them are opening up, but everyone's being safe, being careful and, uh, I'm thankful for our, our great governor, Governor Kemp, and, and uh, our, our, our truly wonderful, fantastic, great president, Mr. Trump, for all the smart things that he's been doing. And uh, like I said, things are just slowly getting back to normal. They've given us the choice to wear a mask or not wear a mask. And, you know, um, so things are looking up here in Georgia. Now, Ralph, when people are out to dinner, are they spitting on each other? Are they uh, purposely touching people's plates? Are they doing their best to try to get people uh, spreading germs, or are they being responsible adults? They're being responsible, safe adults. You know, like I said, the restaurants are practicing social distancing. Uh, you go into a restaurant, yeah, you usually have one or two tables between that are roped off between other other tables, and uh, so I mean. I was down on River Street the other night and uh, went into a place that is a is a kind of a bar that sells food, serves food, and uh, every other seat was taped off so you couldn't sit too close to somebody. And people are just being smart and responsible. Imagine that, Ralph. Imagine that. Hey, thank you, my friend. Have a wonderful weekend. I appreciate the call to the Mark Levin Show. Imagine people being responsible, us responsible adults, right? See, let me tell you something else, too, about the thinking of the modern-day left. You know, in the 1960s, right, all the liberals in the 1960s, very, very different from liberals today. And the liberals in the 1960s were all about freedom of speech and freedom. I mean, they did not want people telling them what to do. They were freedom of speech was born on the campus of Berkeley. I mean, the the concept of freedom of speech, not in the First Amendment. I mean, the concept of, you know, this movement of freedom of speech that we know about that rose out of college campuses in the 60s was born at Berkeley. The epicenter now of a college that bans speech on the idea that it might offend people's sensibilities, it might trigger people and can't have that. So so they banned a lot of speech over there. You know about this, these words that trigger people and that sort of thing. So the modern day left today is uh, is all about control. It's about controlling you. And the mindset that they have is that left to your own devices, you will make all the wrong decisions. You'll make all the wrong decisions. You'll screw it up. They know better than you. Left to your own devices, you will get everybody sick and infected. So when I hear Ralph tell me that, you know what, people are being responsible. Oh, my gosh. Really? Really? Because to to listen to uh, my governor, Phil Murphy, who has uh, called people in my state knuckleheads and jackasses. And he said this over and over again, by the way, many, many times. Uh, The governor of Pennsylvania who said to people that wanted to open up their businesses again, they were cowardly and selfish, cowardly and selfish for wanting to open their businesses again. See that? See that? I'm telling you right now, this is a mindset of the today's modern left. And then Gretchen Whitmar, the tyrant in Michigan, who when people question her authority, she goes, well, I'm doing it anyway. And oh, look, I'm extending the lockdown another 30 days. So take it. There you go. 
You don't like it? Well, now here's another 30 days. See, we don't believe that as conservatives, libertarians. We don't believe that. We believe that people left to their own devices do the right things. We, we have incentives to make the right choices. If I'm a restaurant owner, every incentive I have is to make sure that all of my customers are, are healthy because I want them to what? Come back, right? So it's my prerogative to make sure that everybody's safe in my restaurant. I don't, I don't even need all the guidelines. I mean, they're helpful, but I don't even need them because what I'm going to do is make sure that everybody does the thing that they have to do to keep everybody safe. It's like a, it's like a bar, right? I'm going to make sure that everybody in my bar is safe so that people keep coming back to my bar and buying more drinks. And I have to get creative about it sometimes. But this is the other thing about the mindset of the modern day left. They don't think you're capable of coming up with new solutions. They think only government can. So until the, uh, Government bureaucrats come up with the guidelines. You're not free to do anything on your own. You notice that? Have you noticed that? Until they come out with guidelines, you can't do it. I love that. I love that. I really do. Until the CDC issues their guidelines on how this can happen or that can happen, you're not allowed to try. Imagine if you just said, why don't we let the private sector try this? Why don't we see what they come up with? What innovative, creative things they come up with. I'll give you an example. Uh, in uh, Pennsylvania, there's a woman who opened up her barber shop in defiance of uh, King, uh, King Tom Wolf, the governor of Pennsylvania. She opened up her barber shop and she decided what she was going to do was put in a new floor plexiglass, sanitization, UV lights, temperature checks, face masks, everything. I guarantee you that you are safer at that barbershop than you, than you ever would be in your life going to a barbershop. Why is that not an acceptable solution? And here's something else, too. Why couldn't this have been done back in March? Why couldn't we back in March have said to these areas of the country that are not hotspots, that those businesses can stay open if they practice these concepts of social distancing? And the reason for that is because the governors of these states... We're way too busy telling you not to be racist and go to Chinatown and have shrimp dumplings and go to the Chinese parades. Pelosi, the the mayor of Philadelphia, the mayor of New York City, de Blasio, who's a complete idiot, by the way. He's going to put fences on the beach if you go swimming. If you go swimming off New York City, he'll have people go out and pull you out of the water. This guy is a total tyrant. But at least America's united in the fact that we all realize Mayor Bill de Blasio is a giant idiot. So there's that. I mean, that's one of the upsides of the pandemic is that. But really, I mean, we could have been doing a lot of these things since March. We could have been having a lot of these businesses open. And and certainly now with the nice weather, I don't know why every restaurant can't be open with outdoor seating. I don't know why every every business could not have been doing curbside pickup from day number one. Like why, why is it I could drive to Best Buy in Cherry Hill, New Jersey and do curbside pickup, but Bed Bath & Beyond right next door had to be closed? See what I mean? The decisions they make are arbitrary, and I still tell you it's because in their mind, their goal of achieving their socialist utopia is that much easier, the more economic pain, the more pain they can deliver. Absolutely. The more than they make, you need government. Sandy is in Waterloo, Idaho. Sandy, it's great to have you on the Mark Levin Show. Hi, Sandy. Hi. Hi. Yes, hello. Hi. (laughs) Go ahead, Sandy. You're on the air. Oh, um, my husband and I had a wonderful day today. We're in Iowa. Oh, Iowa, sorry. 
Yeah, we went shopping all day, and then uh, this evening on the way home, we stopped at our favorite pub and had a pizza and a couple of beers inside. It was fantastic. Very nice. And were you? And did you spit on people? Did you touch strangers? Did you do all those things? <laughs> Heck, I even resisted grabbing up a stranger and laying a lip lock on him. <laughs> well, I'm glad you had a nice night, Sandy. That's very good to hear. Thank you for the call to the Mark Levin Show. Appreciate it very much. 877-381-3811. We're responsible people. We are responsible. We take care of each other, too. We take care of each other. You know, as Americans, we like doing that. We like taking care of each other. We're very good at that. But the mindset of a modern-day lefty is not that. The mindset of a modern-day lefty is, you're a bad person, we have to control you. Just think of how they talk to us. Think of the words they use. The fact that uh, the governor of New Jersey calls people jackasses and knuckleheads, that the governor of Pennsylvania calls people selfish and cowardly, that we're called deplorables. I'm telling you, this comes from a place in a person's heart where they think you are an idiot. How many times, if you are on Twitter, for example, and I encourage you not to be on Twitter, although I have wonderful friends that I've met on Twitter, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Rich Zioli, R-I-C-H-Z-E-O-L-I. But how many times have you argued with somebody or debated somebody, and the first thing they've done is insulted your intelligence? Told you to read a book, read a newspaper. You ever notice that? First thing that they do. They go right to insulting your intelligence. Modern day lefties think that they are smarter than the room, smarter than you, and you're a giant dope and you're an idiot. And that is reflective in what Joe Biden said today with regards to black voters, by the way. Because that's how Democrats look at black voters, too. That they are just there because they're on, you know, they're, they need the Democrats. And that's just how it is. And anybody who strays from there, well, that's an Uncle Tom, and that's not going to be tolerated. That mindset of how they look down on people and how they judge people and how they believe that they're better on people than, than people, it's, it's, it's awful. Whereas I believe we believe the best in people. We see the best in people. We see the best that people can deliver in life. And we also believe that left to their own devices, if you just leave me alone, I'll make the right decisions. You'll make the right decisions. We'll do our best. We won't always get it right, but we'll certainly do our best. But how many times does government screw up? How many times did government screw up with this? How many times did government get it wrong? Back in March, Fauci's out there telling us, don't wear a mask. The Surgeon General in March telling us, don't wear a mask. Now we all have to wear masks. How many times in January were they all saying, oh, the coronavirus is no big deal? How many mayors and governors told you back in January and February that this virus was no worse than the flu and it was no big deal. How many times does government get it wrong? How wrong did the CDC and the FDA get it in January when they completely screwed up the testing? This is on them because they had absolutely bungled the bureaucratic testing involved very, very early on that maybe could have detected this outbreak. How often does government screw up? And yet these people have a mindset that only government can guide us. And it's a mindset we must reject. 877-381-3811. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one, Mark Levin, coming right back. Mark Levin. Levin. 
At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith, and their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion? All students must take a course, the Western Theological Tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Let me tell you the little game the left plays, too, right? If you want to open up the economy, if you want to restore America's economy, you want people to die. This is the game they play. And uh, I just got an email from somebody playing that game. Uh, Listen up, Stunad. Lisa's using a nice Italian word. I like that. Try using your Italian brain for a change. Be honest and help explain why the governors of our tri-state area are trying to protect the vulnerable against this virus, which has already eliminated 100,000 Americans in just a few months. They are obligated to do so. Continue to provoke your listeners with your self-centered broadcasting. Obviously, you do it for ratings. You are full of BS. Do your job. Serve the community for a change. First of all, the governors of this region sentenced nursing home patients essentially to death by forcing them to be in those nursing homes with COVID-19 positive patients and would not let them leave. That's that's number one. Number two, what's the alternative? Let me ask this guy, what's the alternative to protect uh, people who are vulnerable? Let's say there's no vaccine. Let's say the vaccine takes five years. Let's say the vaccine doesn't work. Let's say the vaccine only works for some people. Do we just keep America locked down like this forever? Is that is that the plan? Is that the plan from from a guy like you? He says, you will look back and like your mama says, you should be ashamed of the way you didn't help support the cause. All you did was uh, be and moan. We had to self-isolate, sacrifice and stop the spread of the virus that Trump helped unleash. You moron, wake up. First of all, what what is the alternative then? Honestly, I'm, I'm trying to understand. Does America just stay locked down like this forever, indefinitely? Until there's a vaccine. But what if the vaccine doesn't work? What if there's never a vaccine? What do we do? Is this it? This is it. This is just the way it's going to be forever and ever. Is that your plan, genius? I want to know. What's your plan, genius? Because they never do have a plan, do they? It's either uh, we stay like this forever or you want people to die. And they don't talk about all the people that would die of alcoholism and depression and mental health and all the other issues that would affect them, right? They don't mention that. They never bring that up because that would actually uh, deflate their argument in a big, big way. But tell me, genius, and anybody else who believes America should not open up right now, what is your backup plan if the vaccine that they're talking about doesn't ever come to fruition? Is this it? We just stay like this? What's the plan B? Give it to me. Come on. 877-381-3811. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one, Mark Levin. Your calls, your thoughts, and Joe Biden's blunder. Straight ahead. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. 
Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Biden blows it big time, but is anybody really surprised? Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. It's me, Rich Zioli, your fellow Levinite. In with you tonight, Mark is off, of course. Very, very sad loss is uh, his buddy Barney, and uh, he'll be back Tuesday night. I am uh, grateful that you're hanging out with me tonight, 877-381-3811. Joe Biden is a terrible, terrible candidate. He's not a bright guy, and he has a history of, uh, of saying really dumb things. I still can't understand exactly why the Democrats made him their nominee. And it all seems very strange to me. It really does. It all seems very strange. It was like one day everybody dropped out and just all backed Joe Biden. just out of the blue. And it just seemed bizarre how that happened. So, look, nothing surprises me in politics. I've been in politics a long time. Uh, I'm not I don't come from radio. I wasn't like a DJ or anything like that. I was always a political guy in Jersey and then. Always wanted to pursue radio, uh, actually, thanks to Mark Levin, who is my sort of, uh, I'd say, inspiration for doing this. But I I look at things and I think, you know, there's sometimes in politics, uh, co- coincidences are never really coincidences. There's usually something else going on here. And it just seems like with Joe Biden, there, there's something else here. You know, it's it's. I have no doubts that the Obamas are pulling strings behind the scenes. I have no doubts at all. I really don't. And now they're going to need he's going to need the Obamas even now more than ever because of the stupid thing he said today. So he's on this show called The Breakfast Club with uh, the host Charlemagne the God. All right. And uh, I don't know if it's like Ghostbusters, like, are you a God? Like, are you you know, if, if somebody asks if you're a God, you say yes. I don't know if it's that. But anyway. Joe Biden's on there with Charlemagne the God, and he's talking to him. And then he says this stupid thing, which has now caused a absolute national outrage, deservedly so, I would say. Cut five. Can't do that to black media. I can't do that to white media and black media because my wife has to go on at six o'clock. Okay. Oh, uh oh, I'm in trouble. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. Cause I a, will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more okay. questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. Yeah, I want something for my community. And then Biden goes on to say, I have a civil rights. Look at my record. Look at my record. He starts yelling at him. I got I, look at my record. Because he knows that uh, he probably stepped in it at that moment. But, it, but you know, what, what he's saying is, I, I'm not just going to give you my vote. I mean, that's what the host is saying here. I'm not just going to give you my vote, VP Biden. you got to earn it. Don't just assume because I'm black, I'm going to vote for you. But that's what Biden's mindset is, right? And it's a mindset the Democrats always have, which is that, ah, the blacks, we just, we just they'll vote for us. What are they going to do? Ah. And that's why... Take school choice, for example, the key civil rights issue of our time. The idea that you have the right to go to any school you want, which largely is something that that black voters in this country uh, really, really want, because a lot of times their children are the most affected by this. You know, right across where I'm broadcasting from Camden, New Jersey, right across the river. Some of the schools over there are terrible and parents would love to be able to send their kids to other schools, charter schools. And you'd spawn a whole industry if kids were allowed to go to whatever school they wanted, right? But the teachers' unions oppose it, and so the Democrat Party opposes it. And the Democrats, 
They don't care. They just go, ah, well, black voters are going to vote for us anyway. Ah, who cares? What Biden said is so emblematic of that thinking. Listen, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Imagine, like, imagine, just imagine the arrogance of that statement. And so Biden wants, at first he tried to pretend like it was a joke. Ah, it was just a joke. Ah, I was just kidding around, just joking around. Ah, blah, blah. Now he comes out, he says he's so sorry for what he said. He's so sorry. And in no way does he take the black vote for granted. And in no way does he take it for granted. But you ask a lot of black voters in cities around this country who have been governed by Democrats for years, for years. And one of the questions that has to be asked is, do you think that those Democrat mayors, for example, take your vote for granted? Like, 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 do you think the mayor of Philadelphia, Baltimore, um, name, name your city, Detroit. Do you think they take your vote for granted? Do you think that the reason why things in your city are always the same and nothing changes and you know, your kids still go to failing schools and your neighborhoods are still dirty and there's still not a lot of opportunity. Like, like, do you think it's just, that's because they know that regardless, you're just going to vote for them or that's how they think. Because that's, is that the mindset of these Democrats? We don't really have to deliver for them because they'll vote for us anyway. What are they going to do? You see how they look down on people? They look down on everybody. The one thing I will say about Democrats is they are equal opportunity offenders. They call us deplorables and they tell black people, well, if you don't vote for us, you're, you ain't black. So it's like they look down on everybody and condescend the hell out of everybody. Was Biden kidding to say that? Was it a joke? Well, if it was a joke, it was a really bad one. But Biden's not saying it was a joke. Biden's saying that it was uh, something that he didn't mean. You know, was it a moment where he's trying to bond with Charlemagne the God and just be like, hey, man, you know, come on, you ain't black if you don't vote for me. Come on. Hey, look at me. Well, then double down on that and go out there and say that it's a joke. You were joking around with the guy trying to lighten it up, trying to be his buddy and make things right. But you know what? It wasn't a joke. It's a mindset. And that's the truth. And that's a mindset. That's why he was slammed today by a number of different people. Even P. Diddy. Scolded Joe Biden for this today. Yes, that's right. Even P. Diddy, who said on Twitter, who's at Diddy, in case you want to follow him, at Diddy, says, uh, hey, bro, I told you the hashtag black vote ain't free. Uh, Donald Trump has done a great job, I think, of trying to reach out to black voters and then. Before this virus hit, obviously, we had record low black unemployment in this country. But he's also done a couple of other things that don't get a lot of attention because it breaks the narrative that he's a racist and the media won't cover it. But let's say, for example, funding for historically black colleges, which was something that the federal government did not allow because many of those colleges have religious roots. Well, Donald Trump changed that rule so that those colleges could also get funding. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. But it wasn't covered in the media because they don't want to cover that, obviously, because they don't, you know, that's, again, shatters the narrative. Joe Biden's a dummy. I mean, he's a dumb guy. And he's got a long history of saying dumb things. And you know, if you listen to the Mark Levin show, Mark plays the montage a lot of all the dopey things he says. And he makes up stories and he lies about things. I mean, this whole encounter with Corn Pop at the pool and Bill Wrightmouse getting him chains from the pool supply chemicals slash weapons depot underneath the pool in Delaware. I mean, bizarre stories, kids rubbing his hairy legs, his hairy man legs. I mean, he's a terrible candidate. And 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 he's he's stuck in his basement, the Biden basement network. 
And he's and he's also in his kitchen a lot, the Biden Kitchen Network. I got to give my buddy Michael Pelka a shout out for the Biden Basement Network. He coined that phrase, but I love it. And Joe Biden the other day was interrupted by geese, honking geese in the background as Joe Biden was trying to talk. He's trying to talk and he's going on and on in the background. You're honk, 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 honk. And he wasn't acknowledging it. And all I kept thinking was, listen, everybody knows there's geese in the background. Like you're not fooling anybody. So please acknowledge the geese honking in the background, distracting you, please. And send somebody out there to do something. Shoot the geese or sh- I mean, I meant I'm sorry. Shush the geese is what I meant to say. Shush the geese. Do something. But but he's an idiot. He's an idiot. And I, and I can't believe he's a Democrat candidate. And you know what they'd love to do, right? They'd love to get rid of him and put a Cuomo in. Oh, they would love that. They would love to put Cuomo in and take him out and put it. Put uh, oh. they, Listen, you know why the nursing home scandal is not a bigger scandal? I'll tell you why. Because Andrew Cuomo is their, they love it. The media loves him. He's the love gov. He's the guy who's getting America through this. They love his press conferences where it takes him nine minutes to answer every question. And he goes on and on and on with all of his examples. They love Cuomo. And the truth is that if the media in this country did their job, they would be looking into this absolute tragedy of this nursing home scandal. Thousands of people dead, the greatest generation, because Cuomo forced them to be in these nursing homes. You want to talk about social distancing. Well, these people couldn't social distance at these nursing homes. They were forced to be there. And when the nursing homes asked the governor, can we send people to that beautiful, empty Navy ship, the USNS Comfort that the president sent, but sitting in New York Harbor, can we send people there? Andrew Cuomo, the governor, said no. Of course, it took him 19 minutes to say no, because he can't just give a quick answer or anything. But he said no. You know, if Andrew Cuomo were a Republican, this would be a major scandal. But he's not a Republican. He's the Democrats hope. The hope, if not now, then for 2024, that he'll be the guy. He also did something years ago that made me laugh. So they uh, if you are familiar with the New York area, you know that there was a bridge called the, the Verrazano Bridge, right? And it costs, I think, uh, like $842 to cross it or something like that. Anyway, the bridge is old. They had to repair. They had to replace the bridge. They replaced the bridge. Cuomo names the bridge. I'm sorry, the Tappan Zee Bridge. Tappan Zee Bridge. Cuomo named. I'm not getting a lot of sleep these days because we have a new baby. My baby, my, my daughter, Reagan. Reagan Eileen Zioli, who is now about a month old, and she's beautiful. What a little miracle. It's funny, too, because we have three kids now. Uh, two adopted, one biological, and it's just, it's great. It's just a beautiful, beautiful blessing. But I am not sleeping at all. So forgive me for making little mistakes like that. So anyway, has to replace the Tappan Sea Bridge, right? Replaces the bridge, names it after his father, the Mario Cuomo Bridge. And the media gushed over that. They gushed over that. Look at him putting his name on a bridge that millions of people could cross every year and see his name. Because his name is Cuomo, just like his dad's. And now Cuomo's on the bridge. Unbelievable. But that's the thing. They love him. And they shouldn't love him because back in February and March, he was telling people, we can handle the coronavirus, but we can't handle the fear around the coronavirus. And we can't allow fear to overwhelm us. And we'll never shut down New York City because to do that, that would be fear. And you know what? New York City was the epicenter of this. 
and Cuomo let it spread throughout America. And because Joe Biden is such a dope and they know that Joe Biden is such a dope and they, they have no idea what he's going to say next. And the Trump campaign is smart to say, bring on the debates. We want debates. Give us lots and lots of debates. They're very smart to say that, by the way. Democrats would love to swap out Joe Biden for Cuomo. And that's why you won't hear about this absolute tragedy of nursing homes, the nursing homes in this in this country. You had nursing home directors pleading with the state of New York, please, we need protective personal equipment, PPEs. And they were told, no, get your own. But the state was turning around asking the feds for that stuff, right? And when the feds would turn around and say, no, get your own, they would turn around and, oh, that's right, the feds never did. The feds gave them everything that they needed. Everything that they needed, they got. But the nursing homes didn't. Nope, the nursing homes did not get those things. So the Democrats are stuck with either an idiot who says dumb things like Joe Biden and, and, and gets distracted by, by honking geese in the background and birds and everything else, or and who has a giant Me Too problem, by the way. Let's not forget that. Tara Reid and the absolute hypocrisy around that, where suddenly the party of every woman should be believed is now the party of every woman should be believed except Tara Reid. And th- it's a mess for them. And when you look at polling... People say they don't think Joe Biden's got it all together up there. And there's a reason for that, because he doesn't have it all together up there. That's the reason. So they would love to swap out Joe Biden for Cuomo. And this nursing home scandal is an absolute tragedy, a shame. The greatest generation sentenced to death. The Cuomo body count, something everybody should talk about in this country. And we would be talking about it if the media wasn't so damn biased. 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one, Mark Levin, coming right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. And of course, you know, when you uh, are a new dad and you have a newborn baby, it's, uh, it's, it's fun, exciting. The nights are long, but worth every second of it. And uh, like I said, I'm incredibly blessed. So uh, I will be up uh, late tonight. I do the night shift on the weekends so my wife can catch up on her sleep a little bit. So uh, feel free to tweet me, at Rich Zioli. I'll do my best to try to tweet back. Although I may just kind of veg out and watch something and binge watch something. Maybe I'll watch uh, a John Carpenter movie. That sounds pretty good. Let me go to Jerry in Passaic, New Jersey. Jerry, you are on the Mark Levin Show. Hi, Jerry. Yeah, I'm ready to go anytime. Go ahead, sir. You're on the air. Oh, okay. Well, what I want to say, I'm in the same state as you, 
as uh, as rich. And I can't stand this governor. It's funny. They keep electing these morons from Goldman Sachs. They all seem to be cut from the same loaf of bread. And uh, you would think after Corazon, we would have learned our lesson, but apparently not. The learning curve seems to be pretty damn low in this state. In fact, I'm over 70, and so was my wife. I told her as soon as we straighten out the house, do a few more repairs, we got to get the hell out of here, move to the Carolinas or Texas, because... It's getting impossible to live. And why the hell do we have to pay real estate tax if we're not allowed to do anything? That's a great question. Yeah. A lot of people are getting out of Jersey and getting out of this whole region of the country, Jerry. You're not alone in that. And what makes me even more depressed, I have four siblings. I'm the only boy and the oldest. And they're in California and Oregon. You can't say a word to them. As soon as you say something, they get defensive. They don't want to hear anything. They... They're reflective of, of the stupidity of what the hell is going on. And yeah. Can't- yeah, no, that's a, that's a, uh, Jerry, thank you for the call, my friend. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's a very hard to talk politics these days with people. They get very, very fired up. Um, and they put you down, too. It's like that email I got earlier in the show. You know, you talk about opening the economy, reopening America, and then you're immediately accused of wanting people to die, wanting, wanting to kill people. Right. Like you can't even have a conversation about isn't there a way we can do it safely and also keep people alive and particularly protect our most vulnerable people who are people who are elderly in nursing homes. But of course, to do that would then expose the absolute corruption of the Cuomo administration and these other governors and their failure and the sentencing of all these people to these nursing homes, which resulted in thousands and thousands of deaths. It's awful and tragic. So hard to have that conversation, right? You just bring up opening the economy and people go, you just want people to die. It's awful, right? That they would say that about us, but that's what they do. You know why? Because intellectually, they cannot win and they know it. 877-381-3811. It's me, Rich Zioli from WPHD in Philly. In for the great one coming right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Mark Levin doesn't just read the news, he makes the news. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. And the great one will be back with you Tuesday night. And it's me, Rich Zioli from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD in Philadelphia. I'm the morning drive host there from 530 to 9 a.m. It's great to be with you tonight. Thanks for hanging out with me. I am a fellow Levinite. Joe Biden's a terrible candidate and he says stupid things. And this whole notion of if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. What he said today really shows you the mindset of Democrats. Right. And they do take the votes for granted. They really do. But they also look down on people, black, white, purple, green, yellow. They just look down on us, what they do. They look down on us, and this is going to change things for Joe Biden in terms of his VP pick. I still wonder about Michelle Obama. Not predicting that he's going to pick Michelle Obama, because I don't know. I'm just saying. 
And nothing would surprise me if that were to happen. Just saying. Nothing would surprise me. 877-381-3811 is the number. Thousands of churches in America are going to reopen. Now that the president said it's time for churches to reopen, I'm going to touch on that, of course, before the end of the show, and I'm glad the president said that. And it's time for people to start disobeying the rules. I mean it. It's time for people to start doing and exercising their rights. And I would like the federal government to protect those who do. I would like the federal government to protect those who do. When uh, Dwight Eisenhower federalized the National Guard and had them escort those kids into the schools in Little Rock, Arkansas, that was a very, very important moment in our nation's history. We may have to do it again. We may have to federalize the National Guard to have them escort people into churches because some of these tyrants won't allow churches to open. We may have to have the National Guard escort people into their businesses. At some point, this has to stop. At some point, and don't give me the, well, people are going to die crap because that's not, we can, we can, look, if you can be safe wearing a mask in Walmart, if that mask can keep you safe in Walmart, it can keep you safe in church. Otherwise, why? I always ask this question, too. It's a great question I ask all the time. This mask that in March Fauci told us not to wear, the same mask that we're wearing now that we have to wear by law or it's like you're shot uh, on the street if you don't have it on. If you if you wear it in the grocery store, apparently now everybody's safe, but it's not safe enough for you to wear it in church, even if you social distance or it's not safe enough for you to wear it uh, in some places at, uh, say, uh, a store that the governor doesn't deem essential. But why? Either the mask works or it doesn't work. If the mask works in Target, the mask works at the garden store, right? Or or maybe it doesn't. Maybe the mask is actually smarter than all of us. You know what I mean? So it goes in the grocery store, the mask goes, oh, I'm in the grocery store. Well, now I'll work. Now I'll keep the germs away. But then when you go, if, like if you were to wear the mask in church, the mask would go, oh, I'm in church now? Oh, well, you know what? I'm going to give up my germ-defending properties. And you're not safe anymore. Or maybe the masks don't work and we're putting lives at risk and the government uh, is purposely giving us false information and we're putting lives at risk. Well, if that's the case, that's awful, right? So which is it? Do the masks work or do they not work? If they work, then why are they not allowed everywhere? Why are we not allowed everywhere? Why is everything not open? Just a question I have to ask, and I have to keep asking this question because I need an answer to the question. So masks should work at church, right? They should keep you as safe in church as they keep you in the grocery store. And they should keep the staff at church as safe as they keep the staff at the grocery store. Right? So why keep churches closed other than absolute totalitarian control over you? There's no scientific reason for it unless masks don't really work. And they're telling us that that we should wear them. But deep down, they know they don't work. But they just don't want to tell. They don't want to tell people that this is a big plot to kill grocery store employees. You see why the logic, like when you go down the road of arguing with a with somebody on the left who writes an evil, horrible email like was sent to me about how I just want people to die. You see when you start arguing with them, logic, how their argument just falls apart. And that's why they use those kind of words and, and their argument completely just goes to in, in that in that realm of just pure emotion 
and uh, and Armageddon, right? Because it's just when you when you use logic, it just crumbles because it's all based on a house of cards for them. Eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one is the number. Sue is in Portland, Oregon. Sue, you are on the Mark Levin show. Hi. Hello. Hello, Sue. Hi. Hi. How are you this afternoon? Very well, my dear. Thank you for the call. Well, well, you're welcome. Thanks. Great listening today. Uh, I have a question about, I'm in Oregon. Uh, unfortunately, it's a, a blue state, which I am not. Uh, our Constitution says our governor has the right when a catastrophic occurrence happens, she has 30 days to deem and do what she needs to do. Now, that 30 days ended in April. So what kind of law do we go back to after this 30 days has passed? That's such a great question. Great question. Yeah, and you know what you're touching on here? You're touching on something that I think is so inherent in in the American concept, which is we can give these governors uh, extra powers on a very short-term basis, but we have to get back to the normal process of governing as soon as possible. And I think it's it's well past that point, don't you? Absolutely. And and since you're from the East Coast and I'm on the West Coast, um, do other states uh, uh, make certain constitutional you know, amendments to their state constitution for a cat- catastrophic occurrence and does a pan- would you think wouldn't you think a pandemic absolutely qualifies as a catastrophic pandemic but for how long though pardon but for how long does it qualify for what's the time that it qualifies for the extra emergency powers exactly and you know what's what's a little uh, miss leading here is that we have we had an occurrence i don't know the full I shouldn't be talking about because I don't know the full uh, facts about it. But a lady in Oregon opened up a hair salon before the day that our governor said she could, which is past the 30 days. And she sent in the police to close her down and find her like $45,000. Yeah, and they also called child services on on her and had them go to the house and, uh, and, and they threatened to take the kids away, too. Is that what kind of place is that? That is not America. No, it's not America, Sue. It's not America at all. Sue, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. You, you raised such an excellent point. Have a wonderful weekend. I want you to think about it from this perspective, right? Because you, you are a, a Levinite, so you love the fact that Mark knows the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And Think about the Constitution for a second and the power to declare war. Is it the president's job to declare war or the Congress's job? Congress, right? Congress declares war. Now, back then, they didn't have cars and trains and whatnot. They had, uh, like, horses and stagecoaches and whatnot. So the Congress sometimes would take a long time to get in session. And yet, the founders still had Congress declare war. So the framers at the Constitutional Convention had to deal with the fact that they may not be able to all get together very, very quickly, but still, they wanted it debated. I can't think of a greater crisis than war, can you? But they didn't say, well, because it's war and it's so bad, it's such a big crisis, we can't let the legislature be involved because it'll take them too long to get to the Capitol, and then they'll argue and there'll be, there'll be debates. So we'll turn everything over to the president. 
and make him the ruler of everything in an emergency. That's not how it works. He's the commander in chief, but they're the they set the they set the, the policy. They're they, they're the ones who make the declaration of war. Now, obviously, if there's an existential threat, then the president has the authority given to him by Congress under the War Powers Resolution to act accordingly. Because we understand and we're reasonable people that Congress can't get there all of a sudden, even though we have cars and trains and buses and whatnot. So if there's an impending attack upon the United States of America or if there's a foreign threat somewhere, the president has the authority to act. But after a period of time, he has to ask the Congress for permission to keep acting. Same thing with national federal declarations of emergency. After a period of time, the Congress has to say, okay. How long do these emergency declarations by these state governors last? This virus is not going away. Like, you realize that, right? I mean, this is not going away. I hear talk about a vaccine, but as I've said a million times now, the vaccine may not work. It may take years to get here. It may have side effects, could turn us all into zombies. I don't know. So Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey, for example, is a great example. He said New Jersey will never go back to the way it was until there is a, quote, widely distributed vaccine. Now, does that mean that he has the full power until that day comes? And that the legislature is no longer involved? Because if the intent of the Constitution is that even in the, the, the greatest crisis facing our nation, war, The legislative branch that represents we the people still has to debate it, decide on the issue, and vote on it. Not that we the people suddenly lose our representation because there's a really bad thing going on. War is the greatest crisis I can think of. Can you think of a better crisis, a greater crisis than that? And yet they didn't say, well, at that point, Congress, you don't count anymore. Just going to turn it over to one guy. He'll make the decisions. You just go away. And so here we have this virus. And these governors now don't even think it's important to involve the legislative branch. I think at this point, a reasonable person could agree that since we have this under control, not eradicated, but under control, it's now time for legislatures to debate things like reopening businesses. And to debate the merits of reopening, say, churches. It's time for our representatives on the state level to debate these things and pass laws according to the Constitution of the states. And I think that that is something that a reasonable person could agree upon, right? I mean, there are, there are crises all the time. 9-11 happened. We didn't stay locked down until every single terrorist was dead. Could you imagine if that was the standard? Like, Let's apply Phil Murphy's standard to this for a second. New Jersey will never be the way it was until there's a widely distributed vaccine. Okay, 9-11 happens. Uh, New York will never be the same, or America will never be the same, until every terrorist is dead. Because we could have another 9-11. <laughs> so sorry, we're all going to stay locked down. Can't leave your house, no restaurants, no bars, every, no, no airline travel, can't fly planes, until we wipe out every single terrorist. That'd be absurd, right? That'd be absolutely absurd. There's always threats facing America, but we don't suspend the Constitution and say, all right, the legislative branch doesn't count anymore. There's a threat to America. 
There's always a threat to America. There's always been a threat to America. It's not like this is new to our country. We've been through a lot, right? We're going to we're going to honor a lot of people who have died for our country on Monday. So why are these governors still making all the rules? Why is that tyrant in Oregon that she mentioned still making all the rules on her own without the legislative branch? Why are these tyrants on the East Coast doing it? Why is that tyrant lunatic in Michigan doing it? These people need to be reined in. And what they have in common, all of them, is that they're Democrats. And don't you remember how we were told that Donald Trump was going to become a dictator? Remember that? Oh, yes. Donald Trump was going to become a dictator. The minute that guy became president, he was going to take over, usurp the legislature, forget Congress, do everything on his own. That's exactly what each and every one of these Democrat governors are doing. 877-381-3811. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one, Mark Levin, coming right back. Mark Levin. I think we'll go to uh, Kimberly in Huntington Beach, California, another state that's under lockdown of a tyrannical Democrat governor, Gavin Newsom, although he does have great hair. Uh, Kimberly, hi, it's me, Rich, on the Mark Levin Show. Hi. Hi, how are you? Great. How are you? Well, I'm okay because I'm in at least I'm in Orange County where we have a little bit more freedom because the police are not willing to fight against, you know, some of the things that Gavin Newsom has put us under. But I want to say that um, so I'm a hairdresser. Um, I've been out of work this whole time. I did the whole stay-at-home thing, did everything I was supposed to do. And when he started extending things, I got involved in the reopen California, reopen Orange County. And um, I work at a salon that border. we're in Orange County, but borders L.A. County. And a week and a half after I posted my pictures, because it was my free will to do so, um, I got a screenshot from the people that I worked for. And a message telling me that um, I had no business doing that, that I was risking everybody's lives and that I didn't care. Clearly, I didn't think it was important and that it was unacceptable. I then said, well, you know, are the is, if if I follow, they said, if I follow the rules of everybody else, um, then I would have a chair still at the salon when I came back or when they reopened. I um, said, how do you know that everybody is doing 100% of what they're supposed to do? They basically said that clearly that I wasn't. They couldn't police everybody. So long story short, I, I, I quit. But what it did was made me realize that they were trying to put their foot on my throat. And I started getting a lot more active. So I've been to all the rallies in Huntington Beach. I um, am actually traveling to Sacramento tomorrow for the day to march on the Capitol. I am, I'm frustrated as I'll get out because what I'm trying, what I'm trying to get across, even to my own kids who kind of are part of this culture right now, is that they're saying things like, you know, we're selfish. This is selfish behavior, and that we're just. You mean you mean our- you wanting to work is selfish behavior? Wanting to work is selfish. Right. Us wanting to be able to have our freedom, all of it. Right. And my- thing is like no it is about everyone because it's not just about the people that are getting sick from this virus it's about the people that are suicidal that are depressed right that are in abusive situations all of these things they are that is everybody 
that includes everyone. And 600 includes- doctors signed a letter to the president, over 600, saying those exact same things about the mental health crisis in this country, isolation and suicide and everything else. Listen, I, I, I feel for you and I, I admire your courage. I really do, Kimberly, and thank you for the phone call. There are a lot of people out there who are standing up to this right now and they have to. And look, you're not selfish for wanting to work and feed your family. There's nothing selfish about that. I'm so tired of hearing that. It doesn't mean you want to hurt people or get people sick or make people die. That, that That's all the pablum you hear from the people that just can't think logically. And so they wind up insulting you. Like my governor in Jersey calling us knuckleheads and jackasses. And the governor of Pennsylvania calling people selfish and cowardly for wanting to work. What? Really? It's amazing. 877-381-3811. Rich Zioli in for the great one. Mark Levin. Hour number three. Straight ahead. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, hour number three on the Mark Levin Show. The great one is off tonight. Back with you Tuesday. It's me, Rich Zioli from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia, WPHT. Joe Biden stepped in it today in a big, big way, and... You know, that little clip that you hear is it's only part of what everything that Joe Biden said. That little clip is what's making the news today. But there's more to that than what was just in that little tiny clip of him saying, you ain't black. There's a whole other part of it. And it really gets to the heart of uh, of the issue of when Charlemagne, the God, the host of the show, said, listen, you know, this isn't about Trump. This is about you earning our vote. That's essentially what he was saying. Now, you have to earn our vote. Don't think you're just getting our vote. And one of the biggest problems for Joe Biden, by the way, is the crime bill. That's right. The 1994 crime bill, which is something that has incarcerated and caused the incarceration of millions of black people in this country. In fact, there's a uh, there's a documentary called 13. If you ever get a chance to see it, it's all about the 13th Amendment to the Constitution and the idea being that. The 13th Amendment banned slavery, but allowed slavery for uh, people who are in prison. And that essentially now there's been this prison industrial complex. And what it highlights, and one of the things it highlights in there is really the 1994 Clinton crime bill. In 2016, Donald Trump capitalized on the Clinton crime bill and talked about it when he went to cities around the country and pointed out to them that, hey, you got a lot of people here who are in prison who are black for crimes that are very low crimes, very, 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 very minor crimes, you know, possession of marijuana and those sort of things. And Joe Biden was all over that. I mean, he used to brag about the Clinton crime bill. He used to brag that at one point he said that it should be called the Biden crime bill. Yeah, that's how much he was all into it. The Biden crime bill. So Trump has uh, passed something called the First Step Act, which is uh, is is a way to try to reform sentencing in america but but even more so it's when you when you get out of prison to try to give you a a new start in life but then it also gets people out of prison sooner and clemency and that sort of thing now that's different from the states that have let people out of jail for for uh, the coronavirus this is about 
letting people out of jail who have been in, in jail for decades for really minor drug offenses. Something that the Clinton crime bill, the Biden crime bill, forced upon people. It hurt Hillary Clinton in 2016 with the black vote. Hurt Hillary Clinton in a big way with the black vote in 2016. The Trump campaign was smart to capitalize on it and say, hey, look, a lot of your family and your friends, your neighbors who were behind bars, well, you can thank the Clintons for that. It's funny, too, in the documentary, former Speaker Newt Gingrich says, you know, we were trying to address the crack problem in America and we went too far. And Gingrich admits it, that the bill went too far. And what they were trying to achieve, and it did not work out. And the unintended consequence of that was the prison, federal prisons just boomed. It, it exploded, the population exploded. Joe Biden has to answer for that. So, you know, he, he defended his uh, support of the crime bill which implemented harsher penalties for minor drug offenses and which exacerbated mass incarceration affecting poor black communities in particular. He said, quote, the crime bill didn't increase mass incarceration. Other things increased mass incarceration. Huh? What? Like what? What were those other things? Did people sneak into jail? Did they sneak into prison? Is that what it was? Was it a reverse prison escape? People went in. They wanted to go in. It's nice here. They get a lot of solitude. Really, really comfy, and the food is delicious. What what else was it that led to the, the, the increase in mass incarceration if it wasn't the Clinton crime bill? I'm so curious about that. Biden cited the three strikes rules and the mandatory sentencing as something that President Clinton supported, and he opposed. Not true. He didn't oppose it. He was all over it. He was all over it. Criminal justice experts have found that the bill both decreased crime and increased incarceration rates. The presumptive Democrat nominee also offered that no one should go to jail for a drug crime, particularly marijuana, and said he favors treatment over imprisonment. That's not what he used to say. In fact, he used to say that if there was a uh, a house, for example, where somebody had marijuana, that house should be seized by the government. Oh, yeah, he was a big supporter of civil asset forfeiture for drug crimes, too. That is where somebody would have drugs and the government can come in and just take the property, take the money, take the cars, take all of it and go. He's going to have to answer for that, too. You know, in Philadelphia, where I'm broadcasting from, under the complete lockdown shutdown of the tyrannical mayor, Jim Kenney, and the tyrannical governor, Tom Wolf. So they were going to do something called a safe injection site where they were going to they were going to allow people to come in and shoot up heroin under the watchful eye of uh, doctors and health experts. And uh, the United States attorney for the area, Bill McSwain, was fighting that in court to say they couldn't do it. And guess what law he was referencing to try to stop it? It was a crack house law that Joe Biden wrote when he was a senator that said that you cannot have. Any any property where there's drugs going on, anything like that cannot exist. Essentially, now it has to be immediately shut down and seized by the federal government, the federales. Literally, Joe Biden. This guy is a, was a drug warrior, is my point. Now he's trying to be that, oh, this guy wants to criminalize marijuana and everything like this. He has to answer that within the black community because a lot of people were incarcerated because of that. And Donald Trump has turned around and said, hey. All the people that Clinton and Biden put in jail, I'm letting them out. I'm trying to let them out. I'm trying to let out as many as I can. I think that a lot of people are also wondering this part of it, too. Biden was asked during the interview uh, about uh, whether or not he would he would consider a, uh, a black woman on the ticket. He said he guaranteed he was considering a black woman to serve as his vice president. 
And he said, I guarantee you there are multiple black women being considered. Multiple. Now, would you say that Joe Biden has multiple binders of black women? Would that qualify for that? I'm just curious if that would be the Mitt Romney standard of that would be multiple binders of black women in this case. I guarantee you there are multiple black women being considered. Joe Biden said, see how everything is about race with these. Everything is about race. It's not about people. It's not like the answer could have been uh, we are considering a lot of very talented people. The race is not even the issue I'm focused on. I'm focused on the best candidate. And and of course, I would consider we're considering everybody. But you you see how he separates It's like this pile or the white, the white vice president contenders, the white women, this pile, the black women. So where where are all the white women binders at? Well, they're all over here and the and the and the and, and the multiple black women being considered. That's on that pile over there. How does that be like does that not sound a little bit racist to anybody when you hear that said that way? <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> of course it does. To just put people in those kind of buckets like that. But this is how Biden thinks. I mean, this is how Democrats think. And then towards the end of the interview is when he was interrupted by a staffer who had to say that the vice president was out of time. And Charlemagne said, you can't do that to black media. And Joe Biden said, I do that to white media and black media. He promised to visit Charlemagne in New York and appear on The Breakfast Club again to answer more questions. And then he said, if you have a problem figuring out if you're for me or for Trump, then you ain't black. If you it don't have nothing to do with this is what Charlemagne said back. OK. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact that I want something for my community. Biden then replied that he should take a look at his record. Take a look at my record, he said. Now, this is uh, Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina, one of the finest United States senators. I'm a big fan of this guy. I have been a big fan of him for a long time. He also happens to be black, by the way. Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina and, and uh, super smart, terrific guy. This is what he had to say in response to Biden's comments today. Cut number three. Uh, Joe Biden says, you ain't black. Uh, Response to that, Senator. Wow. That is the most arrogant, condescending comment I've heard in a very long time. And that's saying something. The man who sponsored and led the charge on the 1990s crime bill that locked up more African-American males than any other piece of legislation. And President Trump comes along and through his criminal justice reform, corrects the absolute mistakes made by Joe Biden for him to make such an arrogant, ridiculous comment to If you think about the numbers, 1.3 million African-Americans voted for Trump. He's saying to 1.3 million African-Americans that you're not black. Who in the heck does he think he is? That is the most arrogant, outrageous comment I've heard in a very long time. And I take offense to that. And you should. And I think that every single one of those Trump voters who's black should take offense to that. I also think that every person who didn't vote for Trump should take offense to that. Because essentially what he's saying is that if you voted against Trump, the only reason why you did so is because you're black. Now, think about that for a second. He's not taking into account their humanity. He's not taking into account their the way that they think, their feelings, their thoughts. There are. So if you're a black person and you voted for Hillary Clinton in, in 2016, you only did so because you're black. You only did so because of your race. Nothing to do with your intelligence level, nothing to do with your with your the way you see the world, your background, your contributions, your talents, your emotions. Nope. Only your race. 
That's also what he's saying. I mean, if you think about it, that's also what he's saying, which is that you're nothing but basically a puppet who goes in there and acts that way because you're black. You don't have the ability to think for yourself. You don't have the ability to form your own opinions. And if you don't vote that way, you're you're not black, because obviously, if you are black, you just do you do that thing because you don't. When you when you look at people only by the color of their skin. I think I'm thinking about what Dr. King would be thinking right now. You know, the, the idea that someday we would think of people not by the color of their skin, but this is entirely all about the color of their skin, right? This entire conversation right now is entirely about that. From Joe Biden saying he's considering multiple black women to be his vice president, in addition to multiple white women, to this whole notion of if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Everything is about race right now with the Democrat Party. And the presumptive Democrat frontrunner who stepped in it so badly because does he not think that people can be capable of of just making decisions outside the confines of the color of their skin? And for too long, the Democrat Party has taken these votes for granted, whether it's Philadelphia, Camden, New Jersey, Detroit, Michigan, Oakland, California, Chicago. I could go on Baltimore just taking the votes for granted. And I think that mindset tells you a lot right there. So Trump's going to hammer him in the fall over the issue of the crime bill. Going to hammer him on that. You're going to have a lot of people who've been released from prison, black Americans who've been released from prison, thanks to the First Step Act that Donald Trump signed into law. And they're going to speak out about how unfair that Clinton crime bill was. And Joe Biden and and that clip of him saying it's the Biden crime bill. They're going to play that over and over again. They're going to play that in cities across America. And Donald Trump doesn't have to win the black vote, but Donald Trump just has to do as well with the black vote as he did last time. And I think he does better. And I actually told him this in the Oval Office when I was with him back in the fall. And I said to him, Mr. President, I think you are going to do better with the black vote than any other president, any other Republican president in recent history because of the economy and because of also the first step back. Now, obviously, the economy has taken a hit because of the virus, but. What has not changed is the contrast between what Joe Biden and the Democrats did in the 90s and the result of that, of tearing apart black families in this country and the mass incarceration and how Donald Trump has turned that ship around. That contrast is going to play in cities across this country. That and the fact that the Republicans are standing up and saying enough is enough. Time for school choice. So your children have the ability to go to the school that they want and not be sentenced to the failing school just because the teachers union wants them to be there. Yeah, this 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 is a big deal for Joe Biden. He stepped it in a big, big way. So I guess my question to you then is, who does he pick for his vice president? How does this change things for him? Does he go to one of the multiple black women that he's looking at, you think? Does that does that increase their chances? 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one, Mark Levin. Coming straight back. Mark Lovin. I'll tell you another thing, too. I don't really understand this Fauci. This guy Fauci. Now he says that staying closed too long could cause irreparable damage. Huh? Wait, what? This is the guy who said he didn't think schools could open up in the fall. I, I I'm confused. He's like he's like multiple personalities. This guy really back in March. He was telling us don't wear face masks. 
Now, now everybody has to wear a face mask. Two weeks ago, he was telling everybody, we don't know if we're going to have school in the summer and in the fall, and we got to be very, very careful about reopening. Now he's saying staying closed for too long could cause irreparable damage. Okay, so everybody who was calling me a terrible person and saying that I want people to die for wanting to open our country, now that Fauci has said it, and you all love Fauci, will you now apologize to me for what I said, which is that we should open our country because keeping our country closed would cause irreparable damage. Like, I literally said the exact same thing. And I got a nasty email from some jerk earlier tonight that I want people to die. So does Fauci want people to die, too? Is he is he no longer a hero of the left because he wants people to open up now? He said to... um he said to people, it was let's see, uh, Meg Terrell and Halftime Report on CNBC, I don't want people to think that any of us feel that staying locked down for a prolonged period of time is the way to go. Well, I mean, we, we, we've, been, we've been locked down since March, man. We've been down since March. He said, now is the time, depending upon where you are and what your situation is, to begin to seriously look at reopening the economy, reopening the country to try to get back to some degree of normal. However, Fauci cautioned states against reducing social distancing measures, quickly adding that they must take very significant precautions. In general, I think most of the country is doing it in a prudent way. There are obviously some situations where people might be jumping over that. I just say, please proceed with caution if you're going to do that. So that's what I've been saying. That's what Mark's been saying. It's what we've been saying. Open up America and let us, we'll social distance, we'll wear masks, whatever, but would, but open up America. And then I get called a murderer. I get called, you want people to die. Literally, that's literally the email I got today from this idiot. I want to read this to you. This guy, this like, <clears throat> I, I stunned. Listen, this is the, you know, the, stunned by your, uh, by your stupidity here. Stunned by your stupidity, your self-centered broadcasting. All you did was uh, moan that we had to self-isolate, sacrifice, and stop the spread of the virus. You, you, you are selfish and you want people to die and blah. Okay, everything I said, Fauci has said today. Finally, he said it. So now, now I ask the question. Now that the exalted Fauci has said it, will everybody now agree that it's time to open up our country? Open up our country once and for all. Open up our economy. Now that he said it, can we all agree to do that now? Now that Fauci's finally said it? Unbelievable. He's not, he's like bipolar or uh, split personalities, maybe. There's two of them, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Fauci. 877-381-3811. It's the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, coming right back. Conservatism with passion. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now, 877-381-3811. All right, yes, the great one to be back with you Tuesday. Hope you have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Please remember on Monday to honor those who've uh, given the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. Please do that on Monday, Memorial Day. It's me, Rich Zioli, the morning drive host from WPHT in Philadelphia with you. Great to be with you, 877-381-3811. Let's go to the phones, shall we? Uh, Let's see here now. Uh, let's see. JT is in Long Beach, California. JT, you are on the Mark Levin show. Hi, JT. Hey. How are you tonight? I'm good. Am I on? You are on the air. Oh, wow. I'm so glad I got through. Okay, so I've been calling you for an hour and a half. Anyway, this is Stacy, and I'm calling from Lafayette, Louisiana. And, you know, you've been talking about these governors, 
And we have a wonderful Democrat governor. We like to call him Dumbbell Edwards. Um, his name is John Bell Edwards, and he has completely annihilated any economy in this state. First, he's a trial lawyer. He was killing us through the Obama years. Can't believe he got reelected. Dang near killed our oil industry, and now comes Corona, and whatever we had left is, is pretty much gone. He had the nerve on his last press conference to say that the people of Louisiana need to stop thinking about their rights and start thinking about what is the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I lo- don't you love that, the right thing to do? The right thing to do is just give up your liberty, cede your liberty, right, for the greater good. Where, where have we heard that from before? Uh, exactly. And I just, I'm so, I keep hearing everybody talk about, okay, New York and New Jersey and Michigan and, and California. And I'm like, what about Louisiana? Why, why can't anybody call out our governor? We've gone to protest. We've been to rallies. And he just gets on TV with that smug, weasel look on his face. And like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and you're going to take it. And there's nothing you can do about it. We even had our so-called Republican legislatures that pulled up a um they pulled up a bill to try to limit his powers and evidently he got hold of them too because they just turned tail and just okay well, we'll take it off the table since he gave us 25% businesses could open and not even all of them like well that's 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 more than that's more than we have here uh but you, but New Orleans is going to open right so i mean that's good and that's that's progress they're not I thought they were. I thought I heard that New Orleans restaurants are going to open up. No, no. No. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, look, and he's a Democrat. I mean, uh, listen, thank you for the call, my my friend. Have a wonderful weekend. I mean, that's the thing. This is the pattern here with these Democrats. They crack down. But now that Fauci has come out and said uh, they prolonged damage due to lockdowns, maybe now everything will change. The exalted Fauci. How long have we heard that from people that, you know, Trump pushes Fauci aside. He doesn't want Fauci's advice. Well, now Fauci has said that today. He said that today, and there you go. But uh, but Joe Biden said this on the interview with Charlemagne the God. Uh, this is amazing to me. <laughs> this is just really, really, truly amazing. I'm just trying to think again. Uh, you, you remember Mitt Romney, the binders, five binders full of women? You remember the controversy over that? This is what Joe Biden said today on the, on the same interview that he did that caused all the controversy when he would later say that uh, if you if you don't vote for me, uh, you ain't black. Uh Cut six. I want to ask you about your, your, your running mate. Um, I don't know if you saw. Well, I saw the day that a news report broke that uh, Amy Klobuchar was being vetted. And a lot of people on social media, they're not too happy about that. And um, it's because they want your running mate to be a black woman. I don't know if you saw the op-ed in the Washington Post by some of the leading black women voices in this country. And they feel since black women are such a loyal voting block and black people saved your political life in the primaries this year. They have things they want from you. And one of them is a black woman running mate. What what do you say to them? What I say to them is that I'm not acknowledging anybody who is being considered, but I guarantee you there are multiple black women being considered. Multiple. multiple black women being considered multiple and uh then multiple white women being considered too i guess you see you see what i mean you see so so he's got the binders the the multiple black women on uh, that's on one table and then the multiple white women on the other table i guess and i don't know if the binders uh commingle i i don't i don't i don't know this is this is this is amazing to me it's absolutely amazing to me 
how uh, how he's looking at all this. It's truly. And then, of course, the famous line that he says, which causes all the controversy. Uh, cut number five. Can't do that to black media. I can't do that to white media and black media because my wife has to go on at six o'clock. Okay. Oh, oh, I'm in trouble. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. Cause I a, will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more okay. questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. That's right. I want something for my community. And that's the thing is, it's exactly that. I'm not just going to give you my vote. I'm not just going to hand it over to you, Joe Biden. You don't just get it. You got to earn it. We have to get something. We're human beings. We're people. We want something. We have we have wants and needs, just like white people do. Imagine that. Wouldn't it be great if the Democrat Party stopped looking at everybody as 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 a as a thing to go into a category? I mean, that's really where the basket of deplorables things come from. If you think about it, it's because you put people in different baskets. You know, you're not a person. You're 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 black or you're white or you're gay or you're straight or you're trans or you're not trans or blah, 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 blah. You see, you see what I mean? It's like you, you're not a, you're not an individual. You're you're part of a of a group. That's how they think about things. And it's uh, absolutely insane. Now, <clears throat> I should mention to you, the president today has declared that houses of worship are, in fact, essential. And that's a good thing, by the way. It's a very, very good thing. And I would tell you that uh, more and more people should demand that their churches open up because even if people are escorted out of those churches in handcuffs, which would be an outrage to the Constitution and an absolute affront to the Bill of Rights, when that goes to court, those people are going to win. I can almost guarantee that because this is this is absolutely not America. What are you going to do? Send the cops into church to start arresting people? I mean, if I were a cop, I wouldn't want to do that. No way would I want to do that. No chance would I want to do that. Go into a Catholic church in the middle of mass and start arresting people because you're, you're all in church. Something that is a, a, a right protected under the First Amendment to the Constitution. So I think people should just start going to church. Go to mass. See what they do to you. Honestly, I mean, I, I know that I'm not really supposed to tell you to break the law or anything like that. But I'm just saying, you know, if you wanted to do that, and so your decision, not mine. I can't tell you what to do. But see, it's different for me because we have a um, we have a baby and uh, nobody really knows how babies do with this. And our pediatrician has said, protect baby Reagan from any visitors for two months. And then, you know, it's fine after that. So we got like a month to go. And I can't wait for that, by the way, because my mother uh, will be a big help. And my wife's parents will be a big help. And right now it's. No help. So I'm looking forward to that day. But if you're not in that position and if you're not somebody who's vulnerable and you uh, you want to go out there, I mean, this is your God given right to worship your God, to go to church. This is your right. And no governor gets to take that away from you. Phil Murphy, the governor of New Jersey, doesn't get to take that away from you. Nobody gets to take that away from you. That's why it's in the Bill of Rights. They can't take it away from you. This is the president. Cut one go, please. Today, I'm identifying houses of worship, churches, synagogue and mosques as essential places that provide essential services. 
Some governors have deemed liquor stores and abortion clinics as essential, but have left out churches and other houses of worship. It's not right. So I'm correcting this injustice and calling houses of worship essential. I call upon governors to allow our churches and places of worship to open right now. If there's any question, they're going to have to call me, but they're not going to be successful in that call. These are places that hold our society together and keep our people united. The people are demanding to go to church and synagogue, go to their mosque. Many millions of Americans embrace worship as an essential part of life. The ministers, pastors, rabbis, imams, and other faith leaders will make sure that their congregations are safe as they gather and pray. I know them well. They love their congregations. They love their people. They don't want anything bad to happen to them or to anybody else. The governors need to do the right thing and allow these very important essential places of faith to open right now for this weekend. If they don't do it, I will override the governors. In America, we need more prayer, not less. Good. And that means that if there are states like New Jersey, where the governor says he's not going to listen to you, Mr. President, and he's going to stay closed anyway, if you have to send in the National Guard to escort people into churches, do it, please. I'm serious about this. If there are governors in this country who refuse to open churches this weekend, as the president has said, he should federalize the National Guard and have the National Guard escort people into and out of church. Do it, just like they did with the kids in schools in Little Rock, Arkansas. Protect the rights of these American citizens, Mr. President. Use your power to protect their rights. Federalize the National Guard, take it out of the hands of these dopey totalitarian governors, and have them stand outside churches all across the states. And anytime there's an issue, if, if local police show up, then send in the feds and tell them to stand down because they're there to protect the civil rights of these Americans under the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. They'll do it. They'll stand down. They don't want to be doing this. These cops don't want to be doing this. I talk to these cops all the time. I talk to these local cops all the time. None of them want to be doing this. None of them want to be enforcing this crap. It's time for the president to use the powers that he has. We have the 14th Amendment to the Constitution for a reason. And that reason says states can't take away the Bill of Rights. And so no state gets to say, I can't worship my God. What would happen tomorrow if a state said, because of this uh, emergency, we're suspending freedom of the press? How do you think that would go over? No press. We're not allowed. You're not allowed to write newspapers. You're not allowed to do radio shows, no TV, nothing, uh, because of the virus. You're, you're not allowed. We're, no freedom of the press. It's gone. Shut down. How do you think that would go over? What if because of the virus we said no more warrants? You're just allowed to now take, in fact, no more trials. You're automatically guilty. Can't risk a trial because of the virus, so we're just going to automatically say you're guilty and put you in prison. Forget the Fourth Amendment. Forget the Fifth Amendment. Forget the Sixth Amendment. We got a virus. We got a pandemic. We can't allow these rights to exist. 
Somebody might get sick. Somebody might die. Why is it that the right that's being suspended here is the right, is the First Amendment the right to, for you to worship your God? Why, why is that right being suspended? And all these other rights in the, in the Bill of Rights are, are freely exercised. I mean, Democrats would lose it if a Republican governor said, if Ron DeSantis said, you know what, I'm sick of the, I'm sick of the press. So until the virus goes away, no press is allowed in Florida to write a single story about me. Nobody. And if you do, we're going to arrest you. If you go to the newsroom or I see anybody blogging or anybody writes anything, in fact, if you tweet anything from the state, I'm going to arrest you. Could you imagine that? But how the hell is this any different? When a, when a guy like Phil Murphy, the governor of New Jersey, turns around and, and says, after the president made that comment, no, no, we're still not opening churches. How the hell does he get the right to do that? This is your God-given right, protected by the Constitution, protected by the Bill of Rights. He doesn't get the right to say, you can't do it. And the president of the United States has an obligation to take care that the Constitution is defended and that your rights, your rights are protected. And just like those little African-American children who were escorted into the school because a racist governor would not let them in, and the feds had to overrule that governor and escort the children in, we may have to have the National Guard federalized to escort people into church on Sunday. And I'm all for it, by the way. I'm all for the president doing it. And if he did it, it would be a landslide for him. He would have people cheering from the rooftops. And some of those people that would be cheering would be the local police who would be sent into those churches to arrest their friends and neighbors for worshiping their God. And they don't want to be doing that. 877 It's time to step up, Mr. President, and do this because some of these governors are not going to listen to you. And now that you've said it, Make sure you take the action necessary. You have the you you have the power to do it. The Fourteenth Amendment is there. Protect the rights. Protect our rights. We're asking you to do it. Please eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. It's Rich Zioli in for the great one. Mark Levin coming right back. Mark Levin. time hanging out with you tonight thanks for hanging out with me i've enjoyed it very very much you can catch me in the mornings 5 30 to 9 on talk radio 12 10 wphd except next week i'm taking off time to spend a little time with the family and the kids and bond with my new daughter reagan eileen and uh, of course patrick and claire and spend a little time you know the thing about it is that you host the show and you get all fired up and then you know it's like you're there it's all day it's with you all day so you gotta sometimes and my wife was finally just said would you just take some time off so we can just focus as a family please on each other for a little while because this is all consuming this this thing you know uh so that's what we're doing next week and uh there's nowhere to go to escape the coronavirus it's not like there's a coronavirus free zone anywhere or something like that so um we just rented a little house a private house somewhere and uh, just to do that and get away for a few days which would be nice mainly because i have cabin fever and I feel very much like Jack Nicholson in The Shining, and I don't want that to occur. By the way, The Shining is 40 years old this week. You believe that? Kubrick, uh, very controversial film. Stephen King hates it, but 
A lot of people hate Stephen King. Anyway, uh, I'll put that on my binge watch list as well. Johnny, my buddy Johnny, says that I'm uh, I'm taking Biden. It was just hyperbole. I'm taking it too seriously. Don't be a snowflake. I disagree, my friend. I think that Joe Biden is echoing something about uh, what a lot of Democrats think. They just take the black vote for granted. That's why there's no school choice. That's why you have these barbaric drug laws in this country. It's why you have civil asset forfeiture in this country. That's why Democrat cities are run and mismanaged uh, like hell, quite frankly. And they just take the vote for granted. And I think that's what Biden was slipping. It was a slip. It wasn't hyperbole. They really believe that. You're not black. If you if you don't vote Democrat, you ain't black. They really believe that. Have a great Memorial Day. Please remember to honor those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. God bless all our first responders on the front lines of all of this. Hope you and your family have a great weekend. You'll find me on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Mark's back on Tuesday. Thank you so much. See you soon. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. 